0: Good morning and welcome back to the garden. Um, it's great to have you all with us this morning. Um, thank you, those of you who sent in encouragements and actually, do you know, I had an a interesting piece of feedback. Someone mentioned that uh, the only concern with me sitting here in the garden is that It looks a bit unkept, and could I please do a bit more work to make sure the garden looks a bit neater? So I do apologise. God has helped. The roses have come out behind me, so I hope it's not too much of a distraction. Now, uh, we're going to continue today in our series looking at what it means to live a life transformed by Jesus, and we're spending time, as you heard, in the book of Joel. Now, this book is short. It's three chapters packed with powerful words from God that are written to a group of people during a time of crisis and so these words have so much to say to us today as we continue to face a crisis in our nation and so out of these words I'm going to draw out a promise, a warning and a response for you and for me and we're going to begin with the promise and I want to spend a bit longer talking about the promise before we move on to the warning and the response. The Bible is full of God's promises. Do you know them? Do you hold them in your heart? Do you live according to God's promises? Do you declare these promises over one another and over those who are not Christians? There's times when for each of us we question. We all have times like that. I have times like that when we question God's promises can can this be true for me we can have moments of doubt and times when we rule ourselves out of God's promise this cannot be for me and we may think well you know actually this promise might be for that person over there maybe it's fine for John Hudson but for me and there's times when we think well I don't pray enough I'm not holy enough I don't read scriptures enough I'm not helping the poor enough. The list goes on. And we end up ruling ourselves out. We quite literally rule ourselves out of the fullness of life that God has for you and for me. And sometimes we rule ourselves out because we sin. We turn from God. And this is what happened at the time of Joel god's people had sinned people were sinful and so they found themselves in a, a place far from god and they were facing the harsh reality of a plague not coronavirus but a plague of locusts but in chapter two of Joel, and and I really encourage you to read through the the whole of the book, it's short, three chapters, have a read through it. In chapter 2, Joel says to the people, do not be afraid. Because the Lord promises, and we read these words, to repay the years the locusts have eaten. And then at the end of chapter 2, we read these amazing words. The promise of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for all people. Now we see the Spirit of God hovering over creation from the very beginning. Genesis 1, the Spirit of God is present. And the word for spirit is ruach. It means breath. Because the Spirit breathes life into you and me. Physical life and spiritual life. It's like... The wind. I mean, look behind me now. There's a a gentle breeze and we see the impact of the wind on the leaves, even though we don't see the wind itself. And the Spirit of God is like that. We see the, the impact of the Spirit, even though we cannot see the Spirit of God himself. And through the Old Testament, we see the Spirit working in particular ways through particular people. And so whether it be Bezalel or Elijah or Samson, the Spirit of God comes and rests upon particular people. For Samson and many others, the Spirit brings freedom. And so for Samson, he was physically bound. And yet when the Spirit of God came on him, he was freed. And what is true physically in the Old Testament is often true spiritually in the New Testament. And so the Spirit of God comes upon us to bring us into freedom, fullness of life, freedom from those things that hold us back, whether it's addictions or lust or a love for money or or, or fears. The Spirit of God comes to set us free. Paul Cowley is a good friend of mine, and uh, he's going to be joining us, as you heard, tomorrow, men on Monday at 8 p.m., And Paul has a remarkable story of transformation. He's written a book, here's a copy of it, and it's called Thief, Prisoner, Soldier, Priest. And this title goes some way to explain the amazing, transforming power of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. And so, for the men who are going to join, you're in for a treat just to hear this testimony and hear what God has done in his life and and if you can't join us for whatever reason just get a copy of this book it's an amazing testimony of God's power at work through his holy spirit now Joel and his friends believed that the spirit was going to come and and rest upon those in leadership that's what the spirit of God had done in the past so they believed that the spirit was just for those in leadership But here in verses 27 and 28, the Lord says there is no discrimination when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Not in terms of age, not in terms of gender, and not in terms of status. The Spirit is for men and women. It is for young and old. The Spirit of God is for slave and free, poured out on all people. And the Spirit brings unity. I think this is what we saw when we all watched together that amazing video the UK blessing there's that sense that for many of us me included you know my eyes were filled with tears when I watched that because in it we see the spirit of god uniting people from different backgrounds different denominations different ages men and women young and old, all coming together to worship Jesus. And there is so much power in that. We see something in it that resonates deep within us. It is the Spirit of God at work. The promise that God is for you. God is with you. Those words that were sung from number six over and over again. God is for you. God is with you. That you are not alone in your life right now. God is with you by his Holy Spirit, poured out. And it's interesting that Joel uses these words, poured out. Now, the Spirit is not a drizzle. It's not drip, drip, drip. It is a drenching. Think of a a tropical storm and we begin to get close to the picture of what the Spirit is like when he comes in power upon his people. It's a drenching and a refreshing of thirsty and dry people and this is what you and I are to expect in our lives this is what we're to pray for for God to pour out his spirit upon us and all believers all people at this time now we read that the spirit is poured out to help God's people prophesy and receive visions and dreams And this word prophecy appears about 100 times in the Old Testament. And it's used to describe those who bring the word of God to other people. In other words, prophecy is bringing the word of God to those around us. And so we too have a role as prophets. And I'll come on to that in a minute. But we also see in the Old Testament That some had dreams, Abraham, Joseph, Jacob. And God spoke to them whilst they were asleep, giving them dreams that they then used to speak God's truth to others. And and then there's other people in the Old Testament who have visions when they're awake. And God speaks to them, gives them a vision that they then pass on to bring people into the fullness and truth of who God is. These words of God, this promise of his Holy Spirit, was totally life-giving for the people at the time. When Joel was writing these words, speaking these words, they were coming out of a long, hard, dark tunnel, a time of crisis. And they didn't even know if they would be able to have the presence of God with them again. And so these words give them hope. That the Spirit will be poured out upon all people. And these words give us hope today as we think about the Spirit of God at work in us. This is God's promise upon you that he has and he will pour out his Holy Spirit in your life. But these words of promise come just before a warning. And we're going to have a look at that warning briefly now. We've all got used to warnings at the moment, haven't we? Think about the warnings we've had in the last eight or nine weeks. Stay at home. Be alert. Socially distance yourself from others. The list goes on. These warnings are given out of care for you and me. These warnings are given because of the the reality of the dangers that we could face if we don't abide by them. And so we hear these warnings... We take note of them and we live our lives accordingly. But in the greater meta-narrative of the history of the world, God has given an even greater warning. And he gives us this warning out of love for you and for me and for all people. These words of warning appear here in Joel chapter 2 verses 30 and 31. We also see them in Acts chapter 2. And then Jesus gives very similar words in Matthew chapter 24 when he's talking about his return. And then at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, we read very similar words about the day of the Lord, the day of judgment. You see, the Bible is clear. Jesus will return. And he calls all people, the whole of his creation, to turn to him. But for those who don't, here in the book of Joel and elsewhere in Scripture, there is a stark warning. And here in Joel, we read about darkness and blood and fire and smoke. But not everyone is to be consumed by fire and smoke, some will be delivered, some will be rescued and in verse 32 here we read it's those who call on the name of the Lord and this brings us to our response, to your response and my response to these words. It's been amazing to watch the response of the nation and the nations to this coronavirus pandemic. you know Whether it be Captain Tom, I should call him Sir Tom now, shouldn't I, who's been marching around his garden, or people out on the streets applauding NHS workers, or that army of men and women who are going out, driving, picking up food, medicine and delivering it, caring for those who are lonely and isolated. All of this is a response to a call for action. It's a response to the truth of a very serious situation. And God is calling you and me to respond to his call to action. And he's calling us to do that today in our lives. Not to put it off until tomorrow or another day. Because surely if we've learned anything in the last nine weeks... It's that reminder that every day that you and I have here on this earth is a gift from God. And God is calling us to respond today. I think for some of you, it may just be a handful of you watching this today. God is calling you to repent and turn to him to put your trust in Jesus here in the book of Joel we read these words rend your heart God is calling us to rend our hearts to return to him to put our faith in him to know his loving embrace and for some of you today he's saying rend your heart That is your response. Maybe for the first time in your life, turn to Jesus. Receive his salvation, his forgiveness, his grace and mercy in your life. And know the promise of the outpouring of his spirit and the promise of an eternal life with Jesus. That might be your response today. For others, our response is the work of the prophetic. You know, it was between... Sort of 400 and 900 years ago that these words were written. The gap between Joel and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There was a long wait between the prophecy that Joel received and and the reality of that Spirit coming in power that we read about in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. And it was on that day that Peter stood up, the apostle, and he raised his voice and he called out these words of Joel to the crowd. And the Spirit of God came in power. And that's what we're going to be celebrating and remembering next Sunday on the day of Pentecost. But it was 30 years later, after that first Pentecost, that Peter wrote these words that I'm about to read to you to a group of believers scattered around the Middle East. And he writes this, and these words are for you today. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. you and I are prophets. We have a prophetic role to speak the word of God, the truth of God into the lives of those around us, to declare God's wonderful deeds. And the outpouring, the drenching of the Holy Spirit that Joel prophesied about, that we read about in the book of Acts, that we see in part in our world today is not just given the spirit is not given just so you and i can have a warm fuzzy feeling inside of us the spirit is given ultimately so you and i are empowered to go out and prophetically speak the word of god over our friends our neighbors our colleagues those who we know who are not walking with god in their lives the Spirit of God is given so that we can be empowered to pray for signs and wonders. That people would see the power of God in their lives. Verse 14, of chapter 2 speaks about the multitudes in the valley of decision. You know, there are millions of people in our nation today who are lost They are searching. They have no meaning. They have no hope. And so our response together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is to go out there and to share the truth, the word of God, the good news of Jesus with those around us. And as we do that, we live out this promise that Joel spoke of, the promise of God that the Holy Spirit will be given to all people and that we will be used by him to speak that truth into the lives of those around us.